Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. <laughs> I'm Jason Maletsky. <laughs> Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. Heck yes. If you want to connect with us more, team, family, please join us on the internet at trustthejourney.today. We are on Instagram, Facebook, all those things. We also have a Patreon group that uh, gets you into our Trust the Journey family, which is a more interactive and connected group. So you're welcome to join that at any point. And donating on Patreon at any amount gets you in there. So yeah, to get in there, go to trustthejourney.today. And that's it. Here we go. Ready, Melanie? <laughs> Ready. Yeah. So today we are checking in something we've been doing a little bit here and there whenever we feel the need to just kind of push the button and be like how are you yeah. i don't know how are you a lot know. has happened in since we last recorded yeah, true oh i don't even know where to begin it's uh, it's a lot but um a bit of a whirlwind of a world lately yeah yeah i uh yeah, it really is almost hard to choose where to start. But I mean, I I can't not immediately recognize, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, the movement rising and, and the just, I, I just, I want to speak to that personally and just share uh, a little bit about my experience with, with, anti-racism and uh, listening and learning and taking action relative to trying to help the world be more connected and more one love, like all the things that we talk about, um, but really in specificity around anti-racism. I know, and I say this from the perspective of a white ally, um, because that's what I am. And that's the, you know, where we are sitting today. It's uh, this show we don't yet have guests on, you know, we, it, we look forward to having guests on. And that's uh, something we hope to create at some point. But um, for now, our format is us sharing our lives and our experiences. So I'm only saying that because that's otherwise I would care to elevate voices of color and stuff like that more. And I, you know, that's one of the things people talk about in terms of ways to be of service to that piece of equality. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I don't even know where to start, man. I, I'm, it always makes me a little nervous to talk about this because I've been in this anti-racist work for, gosh, since 2016. I mean, before that, but, but very unconsciously. And, uh, um, when I first sort of had my first awakening around like, oh, oh shit, whoa, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a person of color in America, um, was in 2016 with Philando Castile and Alton Sterling when they were killed. And 
luckily, I have the support of my very best friend, Carolyn Chow, who is who has been in this work uh, teaching, educating on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and anti-racism for her whole career. And it it's actually surprises me how long it took me to go, oh, this is a this is a real force in the world and in this in this country. And so anyway, I woke up then and I don't know if a lot of people have seen uh, probably about speak silence is violence and all that stuff. And and I want to share about that because I felt this deep compulsion to share in 2016 when that happened I recorded a video talking about this and and sharing how I didn't know what to do, but that all I wanted to, but what that I, that I did want to do was to learn and to listen. And I recorded that like thinking I would want to use my platform, use my platform, use my voice in a, in a powerful way and own it, uh, own where I was on my process then. So I recorded this video and I was just too afraid to share it. I was just too scared. And so I didn't. And then I continued privately to do this work and to to listen and to learn. And always felt a little bit like, how do I find my voice around this subject? It was difficult for me, as is typical, I think, for, uh, you know, anybody, I, I would guess. And again, I can only speak from my experience. But um, the first time I wrote and used my public voice around any sort of perceptibly divisive concept or or idea was when I wrote an article in 2018 for Blue Skies Mag. And I talked about bias and racism and, you know, relative to sexism and, you know, any kind of bias. So I wrote about unconscious bias. And that felt very scary to me, too, because I was very fearful of being in divisive conversations. So anyway, the reason I go on and on about this is that I'm grateful that I did that listening and learning because it gave me the power to be able to speak now, even though I have had also had experiences with kind of trying to make efforts, you know, to be of service to equality and and to anti-racism. And I've fucked it up, you know, and those have been extremely painful experiences. And so I am in no way saying I'm perfect at this work. I'm more saying this work is important to me personally, and it feels very aligned with my core uh, belief that we are all connected, you know, that love is very, is the most powerful force. Um, but I, I also don't want to have those larger concepts keep me from being actionable in a more specific effort. And so for me, I feel very committed to that, to that work of anti-racism and, I, 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 the reason I'm sharing is because this is one version of a public platform that I have access to. And so it's, it feels imp- really important for me to, to use this platform to share. And this is a place where I share what's real for me. So, you know, we talk about catching up and like, fuck, man, this is 
a big thing that's going on in my world right now is like finding my voice. And it's interesting because it's so many more white people are talking now. Are it's it's quote unquote easier to to speak now. Uh, whereas, and I think that's part of it. But I, I again, I don't know, and I don't ever want to sound like I feel like I know everything or know what's right or wrong. I, I don't even know if I believe in those two words <laughs> personally, but uh, yeah, and I don't even feel that eloquent talking about it right now. Just, I just knew I, I know I want to. I know that I want to use my platform for sharing about this and inviting, because I'm a white person and I'm a white ally, inviting other white people who are would like to listen and learn more to, you know, reach out and, and ask. And I'm happy to support uh, that part of anti-racism work in the world. Also, and this is long and I appreciate you listening. <laughs> one of the, there's a lot more that I could talk about on this subject, by the way. I'm trying to keep it relatively short so that the whole episode isn't about this. But one of the best pieces of advice I got around anti-racism work when I was in a struggle around it, because I, I went to, basically I went to an event um, and it was a deeper sort of connecting event. And, and uh, we had this exercise where the, and this was probably, this was, this was last year. So this was 2019 and I was, you know, I had been doing this work and I I basically had found myself at a place where I didn't know what else, I didn't know what to do next. So I was there going, I know that it's not the job of people of color to educate me and tell me what to do. Like, it's my job to figure that out. And I found myself in a place where I didn't know what to do next. And I knew that I didn't want to ask anyone because I, th- I knew that that was kind of not cool to do. So... We're in this exercise and it was about your superhero. So like you would stand behind an empty chair as your sort of superhero self and talk about what the you of right now would need to do to get to where you want to be. And I had a breakthrough moment in that exercise where I where I cried because I found some pain in me where I was very clear on how uncertain I was and how I really wanted to know what I could do. And I just didn't know and I didn't know how to get it, get that information. And so I shared in the more public forum and I was lucky enough to connect with some people that were very generous with their sharing, both with resources for reading and things to watch and things to do to continue to awaken myself about how implicit bias shows up in my thinking and doing, you know, because that's the idea is that theoretically we all have racist ideas in our, our in, in like kind of baked into us simply because of where we've grown up and the influences around us. So it's unconscious. So it's it's every it's okay you know like we can just look at it and and try to undo that so it's not like oh everyone's a bad person it's more like we can just do that work to undo and and illuminate our blind spots 
So that's empowering to me going, okay, I'm not this terrible person. I just, I have work to do just like everyone else. And one of the best pieces of advice that that I got, other than the direction to all these amazing resources and things, is to show up in spaces and listen. And that, I've taken that to serious heart. And I just, that's what I do. I just try to show up in spaces where I wouldn't necessarily show up without intention. You know, show up in spaces where people don't look like me, you know, show up in spaces where people have different life experiences than me and listen to what their lived experiences are. And that has been very powerful. And it's something I feel like I will continue to do forever. But anyway, that is so long winded. And I am so grateful for you listening, Jay, so patiently. But yeah, this is this is a piece that's been very, very present in my life experience lately, of course. Uh, yeah. And again, I have much more I'm sure I could say, but thank you all for listening. That is why we're here, right? To listen to each other, you know, um, in the greater context, the whole reason why we choose to speak in a public forum is to give each other and our listener the chance to be heard in in the relationship to those inner voices the things that we feel that we 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 resonate with inside of each other right so in listening we're also speaking you know as you were reflecting like you know sitting in a space and listen so i'm really grateful for your share um you know I was born in Canada, right? And I lived in Toronto for the first 23 years of my life. And I grew up in a really poor part of the city. And I didn't know that until I went back there to visit many years later and realized how poor the neighborhood really was. And I was only recently that I actually got some perspective on it. And um, I grew up in a neighborhood where the classrooms were very full you know as a second or third grader you'd have 30 plus children in a classroom and the average number of caucasian children in the class would be half a dozen maybe eight you know and that would be a mixture of scottish irish french canadian english canadian um you know polish um anywhere from Eastern Europe, you know, everybody's some big mixture of, of kids from all over the world who've all made their way to Canada in some way, shape or form. And we had a lot of kids from like Guyana and Trinidad and Jamaica and all kinds of Caribbean countries and African kids and Ethiopians and Indians and just people from all over the world. So I didn't understand the concept of racism, even though my mother spent a lot of time trying to educate me about it because my mom was very active in the, the proactive discussion of the topic. So we learned about racism through television, through movies, through books and through education in school. But I never understood that it existed in the modern day until I came to the States and came to the southern U.S., and then I saw the segregation, 
yeah. firsthand yeah. and how it's still a modern context that black people live on one side of town and white people live on the other side of town. I mean, the town that I live here in land, it's very separated. Yeah. There's very clearly the north side and the south side of town. Mm -hmm. And I've lived on both sides of town. And when you live on the south side, it's heavily black population. You live on the north side, it's heavily white population. <laughs> and I've never seen that. I've never experienced that that was something that even existed until I came to the States. And it really took some understanding of like, oh my God, this is still a thing. And lately what's been on my mind is kind of in a bigger picture relationship to, to everything that's happening in the world is I feel a bit duped to um, being privileged by being privileged, right? Yeah. I grew up in this concept where I thought, and it was kind of heartbreaking to realize this, is that I thought that we were over as a species. I thought we were over a lot of the big challenges already, like the environment, right. like actually caring about the environment because... You know, it's pretty nice and clean in Canada and it's all, you know, well taken care of, or at least we're told that. Right. Even though it's not. Um, and things like racism and things like f equality among genders mm -hmm. um, and um, um, LBT, LGBTQ uh, the, plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. It's yeah. Socioeconomic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, every, yeah. Everything. So able bodied. Yeah. Yeah, I feel kind of duped because deforestation, you know, pollution, all, all the things. I thought that, I mean, if I think back to like my perspective as I say a nine or 10 year old child, I thought like, yes, we're winning the battle because we've recognized that all these things exist in society. We've taken action to correct them and we're on the other side of the hill per se, you know, like we crested the top of the bell curve and now the battle is, has been won and we're just dealing with the little remaining outliers that haven't yet been, you know, attended or educated. And all I have to do is educate them. If we just educate them, give them a little bit, they'll, they'll get it and they'll jump on and be like, oh, this is obviously the right way to go. And I think in, in a greater sense, coming to realize as an adult that that's not really what's the state of the world that really the state of the world is far from having realized the greater sense of it all it's been a big cause for like depression and anxiety and just stress yeah. and and this feeling of like fuck what the fuck people we should have figured this out ages ago like ages ago how long should we have figured out that there's no difference between what color your skin is right or what what gender what genitalia you have mm -hmm. right like who cares yeah so i find myself frustrated and angry that we're still talking about this stuff having grown up in this idea that it didn't matter that it was irrelevant that it was history yeah you know and then coming to realize that there's still places where like here where this is this is on the table yeah for discussion when it to me this is not even up for discussion. Yeah, well, I We're, mean... Wh why are we discussing this? You know, it's, it's something we should have, as a species, we should understand already. I look forward to that day, too, my friend. I love that you, you know, brought up privilege and, and 
that, uh, of course, the un- understanding, the privilege, the, the blindness that we experience when we are in privilege. Um, yeah, the concept of colorblindness, of course, is is not helpful when in systems that are, you know, racist, like have uh, racist ideas driving them. So because, of course, what we are not colorblind, we see we see that a person is a black person. We see that a person is a white person. We see that a person is an Asian person or whatever. And so, of course, we're not act, not actually colorblind. The idea is is the way that I understand it, you know, is that, yeah, we're not colorblind. And so it's recognizing what, what unconscious blind spots we have around how we relate to what we see. And so, yeah, that, that is, and that's the thing that, the thing that empowers me is like, okay, what can I do to be in, of service? I can, you know, again, continue to show show up, listen, learn, and continue to do my best to take positive action, even if I fuck it up, you know, like be really committed to that, that growth process, however messy it may be. And it, in my experience, is messy. <laughs> so it, be ready and be okay with that. That's the good work. We know that in any kind of growth work, you know what I mean? That it's messy, it's painful. Um, you know, we can uh, get, like I said, we can pass the mic, which there's a, people talk about that a lot, like really elevating if we can voices of color and sharing and, and donating to things that support the equity and uh, of our world and all of those things. Um, but yeah, from the perspective of doing healing work, like as the life coach, you know, as someone who works with people on the simple concepts of undoing uh, unconscious programming that doesn't serve them, like even just the most basic gremlin thought of like, I'm not good enough. You know, we all have some version of that. Most people do anyway, not everybody, but maybe most people, I would guess most people do. In my experience, most people do. It's the same type work. So that excites me from a perspective of service, of going, I, I can most likely be usefully in conversation with white friends who are who have blind spots to racist ideas that they might have grown up around. Again, they're not. it's not that people with racist ideas are bad people. It's just that we grew up around it. So we have to just look in those, those blind spots of our mind. Similarly, if we grew up with a you know, a rough family situation and we have, we didn't feel loved, we could have this idea of I'm not lovable. And that can hide in the recesses of our mind and drive our actions and drive our choices in relationship and drive our choices about what we think we can achieve and all those things. So from, from that perspective, I go, okay, cool. I have some expertise in that area. How can I apply that strength that I have to my own anti-racism work and illuminating my blind spots ongoing and facilitating discussions and conversations around helping others illuminate theirs as well. So that, that's one place where I'm excited about what I can potentially do. I don't, I applaud your efforts and I recognize the intention and the energy 
and the commitment that it takes to be involved in a movement that is so emotionally taxing and there's so much history there's so much anger there's so much hatred and all these deep deep roots of of negativity right that have been embedded for generations and generations and generations and healing that isn't something that's going to happen quickly you know it's going to take a very long time for that to heal and i think that's a lot of what we're seeing is this 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 desire for not only there to be equality but there for there to be a space for that to heal yeah healing for sure healing no doubt one thing that I, I just kind of want to, for whatever reason, want to share this, this like, because we're talking about catching up, what have, we, what have we been doing since we last recorded? I mean, seriously, since we last recorded, a fucking lot has happened. Like, shit. <laughs> I mean, I can't even get over how much has happened in the world, but just in life. I went and spent three weeks with my parents, which was super awesome. Uh, making time inside of this COVID, you know, life experience. I quarantined myself so I could go see them and we could be together and hug and all the things that, you know, people are, are well, well, I was missing anyway. Anyway, so I was walk, we, my mom and I went for a bunch of walks. We talked a lot and I'll tell you, they say that talking to your family is, is the most challenging. And in some ways, I would say that it's that's true because it's the most emotional, you know, like I love them so much and that type of thing. But I'm really happy. I'm really happy with the conversations that we were able to have. But anyway, my mom and I were walking one day in my hometown, in the town that I grew up in. We were having these chats and, you know, occasional moments of silence where we were just taken in the what we were seeing and stuff. And I was thinking about this unconscious bias and just what was going on in the world and everything. And I was having memories of my younger self, of myself as a kid, you know, seeing, seeing things. And I had two distinct memories that are connected to this idea of, oh shit, unconscious bias, but oh shit, something happens to me and I, and I carry it forward blindly for my life. And one was, I remember being the kid who discriminated against people with a lower socioeconomic status. So like poorer people, we would call them the scummy people. And I was like, oh, sort of like remembering that going, damn, that sucks. That fucking sucks. You know, not trying to beat myself up, but just recognizing that and going, that's apart. That's where I was unconscious as a younger person. And yeah, I've dismantled that over the course of my life, but just really wanting to get real with myself. And it's it's helpful, I think, for me to just see it and because it's all over, you know, all these all over. And that's something where I was sort of the active participant. And then the other story was I re- we walked by where my old... Uh, my old uh, elementary school was, and I remembered this, I have this vivid memory of being in a race with like a foot race. We just, you know, running, trying to sprint to the end and who's going to win. It was me 
and there were, I think, a few other boys. I don't know if any other girls participated in the race. I can't remember. All I remember is I won, and this one boy was super upset about it. And I remember basically going again and not I don't know if I lost on purpose or if he actually beat me the second time I can't really remember but what my why I bring this up is that it sticks out to me as a story of going that person got upset that the boy got upset that the girl can't be the you know the one to win in this environment in this athletic environment that that was not okay and so I'm I'm grateful that that didn't necessarily persist, given I did follow a road of athleticism in my life and career. But anyway, that's just another story that popped out from when I was home. Is it nice to spend time with your family? So nice. So grateful. I made a trip back to Canada uh, back in December, and I spent a few days with my family, and I hadn't been there in quite some time, and it was really nice and grounding to have that check in with, you know, uh, blood relatives and people I hadn't seen for a long time. And, you know, we don't see each other that often, but it's super nice when you have that rooted connection that you can just immediately feel and it's pretty super relaxed, you know? Um, so I've had a lot going on. Fill me in. Yeah. Let's hear it. Well, I don't know for, for our listenership as well, you know, for, about a year now coming up on a year now i've been pretty much living a uh, introspective life where i've been working from home for the most part and trying to create routine for myself and being self working to become more self-aware to improve my understanding of self, my awareness of self, where my thoughts are, what my actions are, all the things that are happening in my life and why they're happening. And truly like focusing on my own growth as a person to be just more mindful of who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and how it's all making me feel. And what are the things that I'm doing that I'm unaware of? And what are the things that I'm doing that I'm aware of but ignoring? And just the whole gamut. And I kind of got sick of myself at some points. Like there's there are some things about myself that I'm just I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of my own behaviors or sick of my own attitudes or the different things about myself that I'm like, I've been this way my whole life and this is a shitty way to be. And learning to recognize a lot of those things. And since the world went on lockdown and everybody is now in this like stay home kind of concept, it kind of put an amplifier on things in a lot of ways for everybody. I'm sure everybody's feeling the same thing of like, okay, now I'm just home with myself and my family and now I just have to be with all this all the time. And so it's like being forced into meditation where you're like, okay, now I just have to sit here and deal with my own thoughts. And how fun is that? Right. right? Because... Most of us haven't put a lot of time, and I'm speaking from my own perspective here, into what are my thoughts and why am I thinking them and how do I better align them or tune them to thoughts that I actually serve me and that are good for me and all this stuff. And and then what, you know, 
what am I doing to make it better? And I've gotten, gone, like everybody, and I've gone through these big waves of like, okay, I'm doing really good with stuff. I'm exercising a lot. I'm eating great and sleeping well, and I'm not drinking or doing, you know, positives and negatives up and down. And then it just waves the other direction where, you know, things go out the window. And so I've really been struggling in this last few months to maintain and at times it's gone really well like I was really hitting the exercise really hard and then it just peeled right off you know and started getting really frustrating and so what I've been saying to myself and it's funny it's like I said this to myself a few times recently and it came up then I've heard it said back to me, the universe is awesome this way, where you're like, this is what I'm thinking. And then you start hearing it, boom, it pops up in your social media. And oh, somebody actually says it to you. That's <laughs> the same thoughts you're having. It's like, basically shit and sat in it. And I'm just like, I'm just going to sit here <laughs> until I figure out what the fuck I'm going to do about this mess that I've made for myself. <laughs> Because nobody's going to come and clean my fucking dirty diaper for me because it's my dirty diaper and I made it and I'm a freaking adult, you know? I <laughs> love it. So I've been sitting here in my pile of shit going, all right, Jay, what are you going to do about this? And have my little temper tantrum, get, you know, diaper rash, get all pissy about it. And who's listening? Nobody, because it's just me complaining to myself at this point because I'm sitting here by myself, you know? And... uh yeah, I've gotten really been, it's been a challenge and I've been dealing with a bunch of medical issues as you know, I've had a lot of stress in my life and, um, I've been having some GI issues for a long time and I've been trying to attend to them and I don't know what's going on. What does that I've mean? I've been in a bunch of, te- uh, gastrointestinal. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So the last couple of weeks I've been back in the doctor's offices getting scoped and getting probed and doing all these procedures and having all kinds of tests done. And I don't know what's going on, but I'm in a lot of pain. I'm having all this system wide stuff going on mm-hmm. too. I have inflammation everywhere. My joints are all getting super angry. Mm. Um, so I've got a lot of stuff going on medically, mentally, spiritually. Last week I had an anxiety attack in the middle of a meeting. Oof working wow and all of a sudden i got a massive wave of chest pain and my chest started to get really tight my hands started to shake my arms started tremoring i got my breathing started to get all clamped up i had to drop the call take a self-assessment thought okay first thing i might be having a heart attack i don't think so but it might be so straight to some aspirin and a glass of water then i'm like do i call 911 what do i do first thing i'm like well i'm going to inform somebody because I'm so that I'm not just the only one having, you know, and so I went through yeah. this whole session of like a proper anxiety attack and I'm pretty proud of myself that I did a really good job of doing a legit medical assessment and managing the situation in a way that's not, that's the correct route, you know? Um, but yeah, going to the ER and getting checked in for chest pain wow. and having EKGs and our chest x-rays and all that stuff done in the midst of all this you know, COVID stuff going on and the world revolting against itself. So I'm feeling this resonant energy of my own individualized experience relative to the world's collective experience of like, we have made this pile of shit for ourselves as a, as a species, as a, 
collective being yeah. on earth the human species and now we are sitting in it and we have to deal with it you know and it's not growth is not fun and nobody in the world right now is having a good time right. with what's going on exactly nobody is like yeah this is awesome no there's nobody correct right everybody I can't imagine going, it anyway yeah no everybody is is going this sucks mm-hmm. right and so i feel like there's this relevant mirror and i think a lot of people can relate to that that there is this mirror going on and going what's going on in the bigger picture and a lot of us are thinking what's the bigger picture piece here what's the growth change and of course there's conspiracy theorists and there's you know there's all the different ways you can go but i think we're growing i do too. i think as a species we're growing yeah. and we're trying to figure it out yeah you know i agree i definitely think we're growing i mean god even if we're not on the upswing yet, you know what I mean? Like breakdown equals, you know, breakdown precedes breakthrough. I I definitely believe that if, if everything is for us, like I completely deeply believe, I believe that what's happening is for us. You know, I believe that it is necessary for our trajectory, you know? And that's, that excites me too, you know? I, and again, it's not that every day I'm like, yeah, this sucks. So I'm excited, you know, but when I'm able to access the positive thinking, that's where I go. So this is the one of the things that I find as a, as a value awareness piece anyways, is that at least in my own perspective, and I can only ever speak from my point of view, mm-hmm. I have rarely, if ever, if ever, I don't know if I ever have been able to truly heal and f- cure something, cure and heal whatever issue or wound or or damage or trauma or whatever it might be, illness, disease, whatever word you want to put next to something that is wrong without first identifying the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly identifying the problems. And I think that... In, at least inside of my own experience right now is like that like searching around and like trying to put a finger on specifically where are the problems yeah. I think that I'm experiencing that individually and I see the world doing that a lot too going this is a problem and this is a problem and, and these are things we're not happy about yep. you know within ourselves yeah and for me too like as it relates to the anti-racism stuff and just any growth stuff any growth path or you know, goal that we're after that's hard, which I anything worth doing and worth or of, of deep, fulfilling value usually comes with a lot of struggle. In my experience, uh, we have to keep going when it's we have to keep going when we're not, you know, posting about things on the Internet, when it's not cool anymore. You know, it's really important to keep going and doing the actual day-to-day, iterative, we've talked about this a million times, the iterative process of what growth and progress and healing actually it looks like. You know what I mean? So it's one thing to be in the swell of a moment, and it's quite another to be a person that continues it when it's either not cool and or when it's really hard and or when your our our old habits want to sneak back in because they will try they will you know it's just it 
Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so here, here's one of my um, recent awarenesses in the last few months I've come to take awareness of this is that when I'm challenged and having a hard time getting through a difficult uh, task, there's something I'm working on and it involves deep thought to come to the other side of. And now this can be work-related it can be personal related it's a general thing where like if i'm working hard on something and i'm like uh what's the answer here what's the answer what's the answer you know like oh, is it this way or is it this way or is it this way and i'm doing that that the higher reasoning mm -hmm. right like trying to process out an answer trying to squeeze water from the stone right. per se what happens is i get up and i walk away from my challenge and I go look for food I just stand up and I walk start walking the direction I can't tell you how many times I catch myself and I'm like where am I going nice what why am I walking in the other room right now why am I why am I in the kitchen why am I in I just ate lunch 20 minutes ago right why am I in here you know and it's an ego fearful ego running away because the problem is challenging my ego. My ego is struggling to be okay with not knowing. Yeah. Because my ego doesn't know the answer. The like the part of me that's right in front that everybody can see. I'm like, if you ask me the answer to this, I'm gonna say I don't know because I haven't figured it out yet. Right. And I'm expected to know the answer because the part of me that's working on this really expects that I'm gonna get to the answer. And so that's just one of the like so many examples of these behaviors where I like, why am I getting up and walking into the room? You know, I'm, like, I'm walking away from the problem when it's hard because I'm challenged by it. And I run off to a comfort place or mm -hmm. something that's going to make me make uh, comfort the ego by feeding it. You know, yeah, I do. I definitely know what's fascinating is that no joke. I, I haven't done a, you know, a ceremonial healing session in a while. Uh, since it was uh, just about a year ago for my last one a little bit yeah just shy of a year and uh, I've been thinking about this because uh, I've been sort of feeling like it it's soon soon I think I'll it'll be ready to do or it's like it will be time for my next ceremony and I'm very trusting of my intuition and guidance around ch choosing that when and when it's time and watching for my own avoidance as well because it's so hard work such hard work <laughs> it's so hard and scary every time but um so healing every time too uh it's like this microcosm of uh what we're talking about this big breakdown and and fire and raw and shit sandwich and everything <laughs> all, Yum. all condensed <laughs> all condensed in a short period yeah uh so you get so, out a lot out of it but anyway the very short thing that i was going to say is that the idea that keeps coming to me is is why am i so ravenous like there's something around food for me where uh, you know, I don't make terrible decisions all the time, but there's something there that I can't quite determine and can't quite, can't quite get it. Like, but if, but I feel like there's something around why I feel like I'm so, so hungry all the time. I, ha I think that what I'm seeing in myself anyways, is that the concept of addiction, right? 
the general concept of addiction is an avoidance of something. Yeah. Right? So something is getting replaced with something else. Right? So there's some thought, feeling, emotion, buried, trauma, whatever it might be. Something's going on inside of self. The ego has some battle. And the way that the ego deals with it is by satiating it with something else. Mm -hmm. And generally, those fall into the categories of sugar, uh, salt, um, alcohol, caffeine, uh, drugs, uh, attention, yep. seeking, yep. Um, anything, anything at all to be like, oh, I'm just going to put the focus back on something else, mm-hmm. you know, switch a focus switcher to some other kind of thing, you know, and um, it's really, I, at least I have been taking personal note of what is what are the things that are coming up? Like if I'm if I'm standing there with a bag of cookies in my hand, is it truly because I wanted a cookie? Because I like cookies. Because cookies are great. Don't let me. I'm not saying anything bad about cookies. Cookies are freaking awesome, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with wanting a cookie because cookies are awesome. Right. But if the reason why I'm getting cookies is because I don't like the way I was feeling 30 seconds ago, and I'm now using cookies as my way to you know, shut down that feeling that I was having and uncomfortable with. Well, now the reason why I'm having a cookie is not because I like cookies. It's because I don't like the way I was feeling. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's fascinating. It really, really is. And, and again, that I feel like is the work, you know, what does avoidance look like? What does addiction look like? What does stored pain feel like? What does, you know what I mean? Like what, what does it mean to unearth trauma and purge it? What does that look like? There's so much there. And that's what's so also so exciting to me about being in the work of and the being in the conversation with other collectives that I'm a member of uh, is being in this conversation around solutions like cool shit's going down yo in the world what are we what can we actually do like really transmuting pain into into the transformative action and into the transformation individually in each of us however that might manifest so that excites me and honestly one of the things i think about a lot is and i'm so excited to know is happening is the uh, legalization efforts around psychedelic healing and the efforts to get things approved by the FDA and like really remove the legislation and policy from back in the 60s that basically kept it from the public. Yeah, it's de- we're definitely on the right path in that area as a society. I think that's just another example of how um, our inner, our collective consciousness is making its voice heard about what we need and what we don't, what we want and don't want as part of our collective experience as, as a species. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, I want to share something else. Please. Uh, it's a realization that I came to recently and it's been, I want to share it because I feel like, uh, first there's, there's two things about it. One is that, um, will be powerful and healing for me to share it 
just by sharing it, I'll be like, okay, this is a healing step in the process just to talk about it. Also, by talking about things that are hard to talk about or that are questionable topics or whatever, it creates uh, uh, an opportunity for others to be like, oh, I can do that too. And therefore I can also have these, you know, create these opportunities for myself or I can relate, you know? And I think that's our bigger, our whole mission here is creating those connections. So I've been aware my whole life that I struggle with depression. Okay. And I've been aware of it on a low lying level where I have isolated it into little buckets. So one of the places where I've always identified that I have a depression period is around the holidays. So I've related that. And so I'm putting a bit of backstory in here to, to create some context for this because I want people to understand where it comes from. So I always related my depression around the holidays to the fact that both of my parents died when I was quite young and that the holidays brought up a series of bad, of of broken heartedness, Mm -hmm. right? Where I'm like, oh, now it's the time to be with your family. And I lost my family. My parent figure is very young. And so here's my excuse for being depressed, right? Because I have this thing where I'm like, well, now I'm sad because I haven't had this period. And and so I, I created this story around it. And what I've come to realize lately is I have chronic depression. I have depression almost every single day of my life. And I wasn't aware of it until just in the last few weeks. And I've been listening to topic disc talks and reading and learning about depression and starting to recognize. And I heard uh, specifically... I was listening to Duncan Trussell talking about it. He was had a little piece of his podcast that he aired talking about depression. It was a couple weeks ago. And it's a great little share. And he's, you know, depression is when you open your eyes in the morning or you wake into consciousness and you don't want to get out of bed. Never mind, don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to be conscious, you know? And I realized that... I've been battling this every single day of my life, my whole life. And I bet that there's so many people right now who are listening who go, oh my God, I totally get that, right? Like the second that I come into wakeful consciousness, the very instant of consciousness, there's this like, no, 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 I don't want to be conscious because if I'm conscious, then I have to feel all the memory and all the pain and all the, the, traumas or I have to deal with the way the world is right now. I have to be part of this society. I have to have my family. I have to have all the things that I have and that's hard and that's scary and that hurts. And so there's this battle that occurs between being asleep, which is like restful, quiet, should be, you know, and being awake. And I've been going through this thing lately where the second that I start to awaken, I realize I'm I'm conscious to the unconscious desire to quiet the consciousness. 
And so there's this duality occurring within myself where I'm like, oh, shit, there it is. I don't want to fucking be awake because I don't want to have to face my life and I don't want to have to deal with. And I, it's this I don't this negative construct, right? That is just like, ugh, that's hiding away from everything. And I realize I've been doing this every single day of my life. Wow. And rare are the days where I, the first thought upon waking are, yes, like, I'm stoked right now to be uh, awaking, that I'm alive, that I'm actually waking up to a positive thankfulness, a gratitude and excitement. And, and it's a deep, deep, deep thing to be at that. Like, that's like the primary polarity. Is it like, is it like negative upon awakening or positive mm -hmm. upon awakening? And that's what I've been battling with lately is what's the energy that I'm going to bring into my life and it's a lot of it's it's not it's it's automatic you know like it's not something that i'm consciously choosing i'm 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 unconscious and then i'm in this battle with not wanting to be conscious and then suddenly start to become conscious and go no i don't want to be in this battle i don't want to be i don't want to be feeling like i don't want to be awake i'm glad i'm alive i'm super stoked to be here i have all these things i'm happy about i have people i love i have all the things that are important to me but there's still this this desire to just shut it all down like to not want to be part of it you know yeah. thank you so much for sharing that yeah welcome I, thank you for no. allowing this space because that's what it's all about yes know? absolutely absolutely i mean i cannot imagine like you said people listening aren't totally relating and the reason i bring that up is because here you still are showing up and doing your best to figure it out. I love that. I mean, this is so resonant around everything we've been talking about today. You're like, something is going on that seems wrong, quote unquote, that seems off, that isn't necessarily quote unquote working. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm awakening to a new awareness around, around something that's painful. And what can I do? And so you're, I love that you're learning and you're going, okay, what, I haven't necessarily learned a lot about depression over my life, even though I've experienced it. And so, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that's what it sounds like you're doing. And that's, I, I, there's so much empowerment, I feel like, in that, not like in the learning, that we can start to find next steps and ways to manage and, and move through and continue through the challenges that we face. So I, I love that. I mean, I would, what are you finding out? What are you learning? Oh, you know, these, just the awarenesses, the, the, it's the irony is in having the greater picture awareness, right? Like the bigger picture awareness to be like, okay, I understand positivity is the road. I, and this, so this is the thing that I'm laughing. I laugh at myself about is like all the things that are happening in the world right now. I'm like, the answer hasn't changed. The answer is still love. The answer is still compassion. Mm -hmm. The answer is still gratitude. Totally. Nothing has changed, mm -hmm. right? The answer is the same as it's always been. And the challenge is staying stuck in the question instead of moving into the answer. And I think that that's, that's what I've learned is like, that's what I come to aware is like when I'm, 
waking up in this state of battle within my own self-awareness or consciousness or life or how I feel about anything, if this battle is going on, I'm in the question of rather than in the knowing awareness of the the place to be, yeah. which is in gratitude, in compassion, in self-love, in love for all, in just, and so what an irony life is, right? What an irony. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, and it's one thing to be connected to that energy. It's another thing to know and determine what that looks like action, actionably in the micro, you know? And so that's where I think a lot of us get stuck. And I know I've had experiences of feeling stuck like that plenty of times and still do all the time. What does that, what does, what is love in this scenario? You know, whether it's self-love to me, whether it's collective love, whether it's healing a, a societal wound, whether it's healing a wound in myself, whether it's helping a friend heal, you know, like what is love in this scenario? And, uh, it's, I believe in my experience, it's a consistent practice to do your best to choose what that is, to do your best to go, I think love is this. And maybe, and you know what, when it's really rooted in love, even if it kind of like ends up in a messy, messier outcome or you fuck something up or whatever, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's okay because it's still part of that learning process and growth process, you know, but the, you know what I mean? Messy is fine. Have you ever painted a picture? Yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, painting can create the most beautiful works of art. It's an incredibly messy process. Totally. Yeah. Right? You're, you're making something incredibly, con like the construct of what you're creating is this piece of art at the same time your palette and your brushes and the floor and your <laughs> small right. everything is covered in paint it's like there is a duality to this whole thing where we have to remember we can't just focus on the outcome and say this is you know this is attachment right yes. it's focusing on the outcome yes and allow ourselves to be in the experience and enjoy the messiness and you know and so i'm sitting in my shit sitting, I'm smearing uh... it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh, fuck, man. Oh, what a life. The world's crazy and so is life. And thank God we're here, you know, and thanks for listening. And thanks for you, Melanie. And thank you for you. Thank you, everyone listening. Seriously. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. I, I really am thankful for, for everyone listening. And definitely for you, of course. But like, man... It, it is a thing to share, you know? It really is part of the healing process and part of the messy process, I believe, to share into safe spaces. You know what I mean? So, like, theoretically, the, the, theoretically, the vast public is not a, you know, quote-unquote safe space, as in anyone can find our podcast and, and go listen to it and and then come back with whatever they want to come back to based on what we share if they do. And so we have, you know, chosen that level of trans, uh, uh, that level of sharing. Vulnerability. Yeah, that level of vulnerability, totally. And it's taken time, by the way, t for me to get there. You know, it, and Jay, when we first started the podcast, I would we would laugh around, 
yeah, I've had to do this by myself for so long. I had to do it by myself for so many years, being just out there as a voice, feeling all the things that I felt being like, is this even cool? Do people think, uh, you know, like whatever, all the worries that you have about being and stepping into your voice. And that is something that, you know, that process of stepping into our voice and the vulnerability around that, no matter what it looks like. You could be leading a webinar for fucking work and it still could feel like you're sharing your voice. Sharing vulnerably like the way that we do on this show and in the family and all of that, that's a different version of vulnerability, but it's still the same process and the same sort of just version of growth of being able to step into being heard and being seen in more and more like public ways because like we could be in a one-on-one conversation and in sharing could be massively vulnerable and that is just as valid as us doing a podcast where we share vulnerably absolutely yeah ah anything else my friend this is a good one peruge yeah yeah i have much Um, more to say I, I would say I would like to take like 30 seconds and just dedicate it to silence as a gratitude practice for everybody who's struggling in the world right now. Thanks to everybody who listens to our podcast. Thank you for everybody who's working to become better and to grow and to improve our species as a whole. And thank you, Melanie, for holding space. And thank you, Jay, for holding space. Mm -hmm. And you know where to find us? Yes, indeed. Yeah. And and like I said earlier, any, any, you know, new or, or growing, you know, any white, allies out there that want to be in conversation with other white people and again i invite white people because of the we're taking the onus off people of color to educate us and help us grow as allies so that's why i invite white people who are looking to grow around anti-racism work to reach out truly let me know um uh, yeah i'd be happy to be in that dialogue anytime and I agree with everything Jay just said, the gratitude in everything for all of you. Trust the journey dot today to find us and we love you so much. Keep laughing, keep loving, and keep trusting the journey. Trusting the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>